0: Hello, and welcome to this month's Fraud Talk Podcast. I'm Sarah Hoffman, the ACFE's Public Relations Specialist, and today I'm happy to be talking to the ACFE's Training Director and Identity Theft Expert, LaSalle Pennings. Hello, LaSalle. Hi, good morning. Now, it seems like every day on the news, we hear more and more stories about the growing rise of identity theft. Most people have been victims themselves or know people that have been victims. Now, you have a good deal of experience in this arena from your previous work in the U.S. State Department, and you'll be presenting on this issue during the upcoming ACFE Fraud Conference Canada in Montreal, September 11th through the 14th. Can you give us a little overview first of the different types of
1: identity theft? There's traditional identity theft, which entails somebody's complete identity being stolen. Usually social security number, date of birth, their name, and other identifying factors are traditional identity theft. And that's a little bit easier to determine and to detect because it's the whole entire person that they're stealing. Whereas synthetic identity theft is an up-and-coming type of identity theft that we tend to see more and more, and it entails identity thieves stealing aspects of one person's identity another person's identity, and mixing them together. So, for example, they steal one person's social security number, another person's date of birth, another person's name, and they blend that together to create an identity. Since most people don't monitor aspects of their identity, they monitor their whole identity, it's a lot harder to detect.
0: You said that it's on the rise, that's happening more frequently. Why do you think that that might be the case?
1: With the advent of different identity theft detection software and services that are provided, individuals are trying to circumvent being detected. So they know that somebody's looking for the, the name with the associated date of birth and the social security number and the insurance number. So when they mix it up, they know that the software that is out and the services that are out don't look for specific links to the same date of birth being used by different people. Same with medical health insurance. When you have somebody that goes into a medical health care facility Using the same name, the medical health care facility does not check that the date of birth, the social, and all the other identifying aspects match, so it's much easier to get away with it.
0: A lot of these identity thefts we've seen, specifically in the news, uh, the famous or infamous Target breach, it seems like a lot of identities are kind of left out in the open due to cyber attacks, sort of, or these these data breaches. What are some things that businesses or anti-fraud professionals, CFEs, within these businesses should be
1: aware of? Some of the things that businesses can do to protect themselves from identity theft entail protecting security. So protecting their informational security specifically, making sure that individuals are using passphrases, not passwords. So for example, during the the Target data breach and several other breaches, after the incident happened, the investigations that arose discovered that many individuals were using the passwords that were issued, such as password one, two, three. So making sure that you use a very strong passphrase, which should be very long and should entail more than one word, would protect businesses from entry of, of breaches or hackers. Another thing they can do is they can compartmentalize data. So they can restrict access based on need to know information within their database. Somebody should not need to access social security information, health insurance numbers, dates of birth. That should be a separate level of compartmentalization. A customer service personnel, for example, should only need to access a person or a customer's name and potentially a membership number. But by compartmentalizing data, you reduce the risk of somebody that breaches the entire software or database having access to everything. You restrict it to just chunks of information. Another thing they can do is introduce multi-layer authentication and right now the most common types of authentication are two-factor meaning typically if you lose a phone or you lose a laptop you have to you have to have a password and it's usually sent to you via text or via email dual factor works but if you're a thief or you're the person that finds that iPhone or that tablet you now have both the device and the information and and a password is being emailed to you so that Makes it much easier to steal an identity and to hack into a business when, let's say, a a specific employee of a company loses their company's software or or hard drive. One way that you can increase security through multi-layer authentication is to use things such as biometrics, retina scan, fingerprint scan, there's voice imprint, icons. The more layers that you use within a company, the harder it is for individuals to try to pretend that they're you and get access to identities. Another thing that companies can do to protect themselves is not only be careful of how they store their information, but how they dispose of their information. So they should be shredding anything that has identifiers on it from their employees, anything that has intellectual property information on it. And also, before they dispose of computers and printers and fax machines, they need to wipe those machines. This is really important. I don't think people realize that in on printers. And scanning and scanners, there is a black box that stores every single thing that was copied on that machine. So when that's donated or it is sold or it is thrown away, all a, a hacker needs to do or an identity thief needs to do is to get that black box. And they then have information such as uh, medical files, social security numbers. That's really important for companies to do. Same as with tablets and iPhones. Another thing that companies can do as far as protecting themselves by means of their employees that might accidentally click on an ad or a pop-up. So malware and breaches that are geared towards identity theft sometimes are introduced by advertising sites. And so there are actual ad blockers and ad blocker software that you can input into your device or use on your, your business that blocks ads from popping up and blocks ads from being able to aggregate data. So by doing this, you also reduce the potential for malicious code to be introduced into computers at businesses.
0: Do you think that there's any reason that more businesses right now aren't already putting as many of these securities in place? Or do you think that they are trying to? It's just taking a while? Or have you noticed any sort of pushback on behalf of the companies saying, for instance, it costs too much money or something of those natures?
1: I do see an, an uptick in companies trying to obtain multi-layer authentication software and trying to increase security. The challenge for most companies is knowing where to begin and understanding that it's not just a data breach, it's not just a hacker, but it's also individuals within the organization getting hacked or being subject to falling prey to some some type of identity theft scam. So it also entails... Uh, making sure that individuals know what social engineering is and what they should protect and what they project online. And so I think slowly as more and more companies get hacked and breached and identities get lost, you will see more implementation of this. But all the many facets of preventing identity theft can be very uh, consuming and appear to be scary for many companies because it's so big.
0: You mentioned social engineering. Could you talk a little bit more about that? I know that we're in an age where everyone loves to share everything that they do on various forms of social media. Is that also contributing as a risk for their identities to be stolen?
1: It is. One of the most important things for businesses and individuals to realize is what they should protect and what they project online. Simple things such as Mother's maiden name, your first dog's name, your pet's name, where you went to school, are things that people post on social media that they don't realize are the top security questions in multi-layer authentication software. So if you forget your password, usually one of the security questions is what well, What is your mother's maiden name? What was your dog's name?" So that information is so public that when somebody is trying to change a password or take over an identity, a lot of times that information is readily available. Um, the other thing that is that is very common by social engineering is a hacker or an identity thief will go online and will research a person's identity based on what they post on social media platforms, and they then prey on that person. So for example, they'll look and see who their friends are, uh, places they like to frequent, or they went to college, and they'll send an introdu- introductory email or they'll try to friend them through social media and say, oh, I went to the same college. I, I know the same friend you know We share the same type of hobbies. And so that instantly makes people more susceptible to social engineering because from there, they try to play off on this social dynamic and they try to get information from you, such as your date of birth, social security, where you live, that kind of thing.
0: Who are the identity thieves? Can they be painted with a broad brush or are they very different types of people or groups? Is it an organized front?
1: Identity themes come from different aspects and different factors in different arenas. There are money launderers and professional criminals and drug cartel members that routinely steal identities for the sole purpose of hiding money, transferring money, hiding assets, and crossing borders. That's something that they use to, to keep from getting detected, from disassociating the assets that they got from illegal gains, from not linking it to themselves. You also have individuals that try to obtain identities to sell them, and you do see many sites on the deep web where individuals will sell identities anywhere from $15 to $20. There are also individuals that want to obtain identities to come into different countries for citizenship purposes or immigration purposes. On the U.S. border, there are individuals that sell identities anywhere from $5,000 to $8,000, sometimes a little less, sometimes more, and that usually entails somebody's birth certificate, a social security card, and other identity documents. And then you have uh, reasons for entry, where, whereby people, for example, in certain cities on the, on the Mexican border will rent out identities just so somebody can cross for the day, purchase things, um, engage in business, and then come back. So you have various different aspects of why people engage in identity theft.
0: That's really interesting. I've never heard of renting identities just,
1: just for a day, a daily rental. You, you rent them for anywhere from a few hours to one or two days, and they usually have a file or a box full of different driver's license or visas. And you come down across the border, you go into specific areas, specific bars or restaurants, and they match who you look like. So they try to have the closest information and then they give you a card so that you can memorize all the data.
0: But that would be an example of whole identity theft, correct? Not, or correct. Or are they creating synthetic people?
1: No, that would be an example of traditional identity theft where they take every the person's entire information. Do you
0: have any tips for CFEs if they're going to kind of their C suite and they really need to say, look, identity theft is a huge problem and we're running into it on a, maybe even just a monthly basis. But, you know, here are some s- steps and some best practices that we can use as a company. Do you have any tips for them kind of getting that point across to, to people that might not be very open to making big changes in security measures or willing to do the double authentication or? multiple ident-
1: authentication? By showing the statistics that approximately 90% or more companies in, in 2014 were breached and had aspects of identity theft is the beginning of getting the C-suite or executives within your company to, to listen and to realize that this is one of the most up-and-coming frauds there is. Identity theft is everywhere and when it impacts a company it can be very disastrous to the brand. So there are additional ways that that are not very complex as far as instituting into policies within a company that I think would be easy to pass off to the C-suite. For example, routine training on social media use, what to post, what not to post, and staying current on fraud scams. There is a fantastic tool that is that was created by the University of Texas at Austin called Privacy Check. And before you use a, a website online, you can click on privacy check which shows up on a google browser or google chrome and it will rate the risk that entails using this website so it'll tell you if you use this website this is the risk this this website will aggregate data and send it somewhere else it will sell the information it will show who your identification is so that helps as well as simple things such as passwords the use of pass phrases instead of passwords Making sure that when employees use Wi-Fi, that they don't ever use a public Wi-Fi because a lot of hackers establish public Wi-Fi so that people can log on because it's free and then they monitor every single thing you're doing. They get everything that's on your computer, bank account, social um, information. And also making sure that that you instill security patches and use VPN networks. Uh, The more that you can do to protect the information... The better, but these are simple things that that are easy to enact that don't cost a lot of money. It's just being proactive and knowing the risks.
0: And looking at it kind of from the people aspect, let's say that you went ahead and you went shopping online shopping at a store that you thought was perfectly secure. You used a, a hotel's Wi-Fi and you thought it was secure, and sure enough, a few months later, it comes out in the news that they they got hacked, and so now your identity is at risk. You start noticing different. Charges on your bank account you never authorized, things of that nature. What are some steps then, as an individual, that you can go ahead and do to try and reclaim your identity and, and kind of safeguard it from more stuff happening?
1: The first thing you want to do is you want to notify the credit card to which that happened. You want to notify the credit card, and then you want to go to FTC FederalTradeCommission.gov and you want to report that. You through that you get an affidavit. With the affidavit, you can file a police report that will help you establish concrete information and evidence that you're not claiming that you didn't file these charges but it starts a record it starts evidence that you were a victim of identity theft you then need to work with the credit uh, the three major creditors or credit departments like equifax for example and what they can do is they can put a freeze on your credit so anytime anybody applies for your credit they can. They have to call you before any type of credit is established under your name. And then another thing you can do is there are various commercial identity theft monitoring uh, packages that are offered. Some will not only monitor your ID for identity theft breaches, but some will help you actually resolve identity theft issues. So some of them have mitigation. So they actually help you reach out to the creditors and the credit cards and the banks And it's sometimes much easier than somebody trying to navigate it by themselves.
0: Are there any groups or types of people who are especially at risk for identity theft? And if there are, uh, why are they so at risk?
1: There are three groups of individuals that are highest at risk, and that's minors, the elderly, and those that are disabled. Minors, for example, specifically foster kids, are super high risk, because of the nature of them moving and moving and their information and identity documents moves with them from house to house, but over 40% of foster kids are victims of identity theft. And that's because of the nature of their moving. Um, The elderly as well, there are a lot of schemes and specifically schemes that I've investigated where individuals will actually seek to work in elderly care facilities just to have access to the identities and identity documents of elderly individuals. And also because of the nature of, um, as you grow old in age, sometimes el- the elderly will experience memory loss, and they prey on that to, to take their identities and, and start establishing credit. Um, the disabled as well, similar to elderly and minors, because of the fact that they're relying on somebody else to safeguard their identity information, are, also fall prey to being a victim. Some of the biggest groupings of victims that we see are those in the medical field? So, medical identity theft is a field that is growing, in, as well as as far as fraud is concerned. Individuals will go in and they'll pretend to be somebody else. They'll have either an identity document or they'll have just a social security number and a name. They claim to be that person, and then they get medical care or prescriptions in that name. And what's very dangerous about that is not only the lack of medical facilities checking the other biodata. But the fact that that then confuses the real person's medical file. So now they have different blood types, they have different conditions. And finding out who actually walked in and took on that identity is very hard.
0: We often see in a lot of fraud cases, are the fraudsters, especially in occupational fraud, I mean, ultimately you can have controls in place, but sometimes people are usually the weakest links. In businesses that experience data breach, Is there any way that they might also be able to use kind of the fraudster behavioral red flags in order to ferret out if one of their employees might be surreptitiously stealing information and selling those identities to outside parties?
1: Rogue employees are one of the reasons or one of the ways that identities get stolen as well. Uh, Drug cartels paid for people that were employed in the um, cable industry to filter information from them. And this is this happens in various different industries but yes, making sure that you complete backgrounds on individuals, making sure that you um, conduct due diligence on a person before you hire them is really important. Background checks, credit history, making sure that you highlight any anomalies, who they're linked to, any associates. I know that sounds kind of broad and kind of stringent, but the more you know about a person, um, from legal legally speaking, the more you know about somebody and who they're connected to, can help try to prevent that. You can never, ever determine who all the rogue employees are going to be.
0: Do you see any kind of, as we go along down the future, it seems like identity theft has only grown and evolved over the past couple decades. What do you, do you foresee any trends we might start seeing that we're not seeing now or things that we really should be more aware of or are people being more proactive and it's actually a rosy outlook that eventually every
1: eventually one day everyone will be safe from identity theft? Um, I don't think that identity theft is going to go away, unfortunately. I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but in the U.S. alone, every two seconds there is a new identity theft victim. So I, I highly doubt that that's going to be reduced. I do see the uptick of people being more proactive, companies and the government being more proactive, Uh making sure that they're not posting as much information on social media as they should, being more cognizant of the websites they go to and the websites they purchase from. I foresee a lot more multi-layer authentication, a lot more biometrics being used in the future, uh, fingerprint scans, retina scans, certain codes or information that are specific to that person, like a voice print or a fingerprint, to determine that this person is who's a, who they say they are. And I'm hoping to see, specifically in the medical industry, more use of multi-layer authentication. So if somebody comes in to get a certain type of health procedure done, that they're actually verifying that you are who they are by having a certain type of unique marker that identifies you as a person.
0: Thank you so much, Lacelle for joining us today. And once again, you can see Lacelle give a presentation on identity theft at the upcoming ACFE Fraud Conference Canada in Montreal, September 11th through the 14th. And thank you all for listening. You can find all of our podcasts at acfe.com slash podcast or in the iTunes store. This is Sarah Hoffman signing off.